What's up, Hogland Nation? You know we gotta tell you about Mr. T's Tuxedos. Do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal, prom, or big event coming up soon? Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suits and tuxedos in the area, and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they also offer fitting services located in Center City, Philly, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location. Make sure to mention that Hogline sent you when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry. To take a look at their catalog and for more information on all that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrT'sTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Manis, alongside my co-hosts, Andrew Schreffler and Jack Manis. Welcome back, folks. You are listening to the 225th episode of the podcast. I mean, you all know what we're here to talk about today. Super Bowl 57 has concluded last night. By the time you're listening to this, it's probably a couple, um, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, potentially. But Super Bowl Sunday has passed. The NFL season is uh, unfortunately behind us. And reality did sit in for me last night when I was looking ahead. I just looked at the calendar. I'm like, wow, September is so far away. And that is a shame. But we can look back at last night. Um, obviously, Shref is looking back on it uh with a negative perspective and we're going to get into all of that within the next however long this podcast is um we actually did give shref this was an optional episode for him i throughout this process i think i've said it on multiple times on the show but shref is one of the very very few eagles fans that i uh respect and um tolerate (laughs) tolerate and value what they have to say when it comes to the teams because a lot of eagles fans i'd say the vast vast majority of them whenever they just start talking i disregard their opinions because i know it's not coming from a place of objectivity so uh for that for those purposes and those that reasoning i didn't really i i have many group chats last night that i just i kept trolling all night long Sure. And I did. I I was very obnoxious, but <laughs> I felt like I was right to be obnoxious. But I didn't do that in our hotline group chat. I also felt bad, and I guess we can just get into this right now. That I won our postseason picks contest. Yeah, you did. Uh, I almost blew the lead. To be honest, I was winning pretty convincingly throughout the whole regular season and postseason. So I really did well this year. Uh, but Jack and Treff did really well uh for the super bowl jack actually got all five of his pits correct treff went four and one and i went two and three so if you are following along and doing the math uh i actually only ended up winning by one and these two gentlemen were tied right behind me at 18 and 13 and i was 19 and 12. so it was a close victory but i pulled it out and with and i like i just prefaced a minute ago i'd felt bad saying, hey, Shref, I know your team just lost and it was a very 
close game and a potentially controversial call, but uh, hit that Venmo for 50 bucks whenever you get a chance. So, <laughs> I mean, you, whenever you have the time. He he uh, he accepted it like a gentleman, and he did Venmo me right away after the game last night. However, I would have understood if he had to take a couple of days to uh, <laughs> gather his thoughts and, and whatnot. So that was a long introduction. Um, we'll let let's, let's let's get Jack. Let him let him get his quick brief intro thoughts out of the way, and then we'll turn it over to you, Treff. But Jack, how are you feeling? Um, what what was going through your mind last night around ten fifteen? Ten fifteen. Uh, from ten fifteen to probably the next hour, I was just relishing in all of my glory. What is that? What does that look like to you? Do you just like go in front of the bathroom mirror and go, "Oh yeah, yeah"? Like, what does that even look like? I was literally sitting where I am now, watching post game on any social media I could get back and forth to consuming all of the celebratory content I could consume. Yeah, that's, that is true. I, I was saying that to my parents and my girlfriend and my brother who I was watching the game with. And uh, it's just so funny, the stark contrast. If the Eagles would have won, I would have shut off the, the, the broadcast immediately, wouldn't have watched anything else the rest of the night. But since the, since it went, the way I wanted it to go, I was watching. I watched it until honestly, like you said, like probably the next hour or so, um, consuming it all. So it's just it, it's crazy how different the whole night would have went. But yeah, that's. I mean, I, I totally understand that. Um, Shref, obviously, we're gonna get into you know more of uh, our thoughts throughout the episode here today. Um, and again, I know you're in attendance today, but. Don't have to. Whatever you're willing to give us, we accept. You know, if you want to keep it brief, uh, we we respect your uh, your time of mourning. And uh, but yeah, what's your I guess introduction to how you're feeling in the past 24 hours? Uh, what's up, boys? It's been a um, it's been a, it's been an interesting one for sure. Um, if you want like an example as to how. I've been feeling this morning. My mom was like, uh, what were like your favorite commercials? And I sat there for like 30 seconds. And then I was like, you know what? I, I don't like, I don't remember a single, like a single commercial. And like, I, I, I do either. I mean that wholeheartedly. Like, I, cause every, like I realized like every commercial break, I was just so like, there was no thoughts outside of football in my head. So like nothing, nothing was like getting in there. So I, I didn't remember anything outside of that. So the game itself, uh, I mean, that was, I mean, especially as a fan, I felt uh, every high and every low throughout the entirety of that game. Um, I think I speak for all Eagles fans that uh, at halftime we were all feeling good. I don't, I, I definitely saw people that were more confident than myself. I definitely wasn't, uh, I didn't feel like we were out of the woods, but I thought, you know, we'll obviously get into the meat and bones of everything here. But after, I, I thought they bounced back from that turnover better than they like possibly could have. So like I was feeling good into halftime and then as the second half wore on, it just wasn't feeling great. And then the call at the end, which we'll get into, uh, I guess maybe we, we can start with that if you guys want to, but I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll give my thoughts about it first. Um, it's a flag. It's a hundred percent a flag, no matter how you, how you slice it. Bradbury even said it after the game, which I mean, if I'm James Bradbury, I'm probably not saying that but you know that's that's neither here nor there i'm not going to admit that uh to the public but um 
you know, it, it's a flag, but my, my thought of it is they, the refs I thought were pretty lenient all night with how they were calling things, which I feel like is what people want to see in the first place. Um, and they just, they picked a heck of a time to, uh, to insert themselves in there. It's a, like I said, it's a flag and they're, they're going to call it every time and I get it, but timing mixed with just the visual of it itself. It wasn't like the most egregious penalty in the world. It, it's a tough one, but I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. I, I feel like based on what I heard, it's, it felt, it seems like most people are, are on the same page where it's the right call, but a, a, a sucky call at the same time. Mitchell, we can't hear you. Nope. Yep. There you go. Oh, you got me now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what I, I, I was, there was some background feedback and, and noise when Treff was talking earlier. So I muted myself and then I forgot. So my, my bad, uh, Hagua nation. Um, I said, what I just said is I'll, I'll interject here. Um, I think what you said, Treff, was was definitely fair because, and I'm glad you. The first thing you said was it was a flag because yeah, I think there is a lot of people out there who are Eagles fans that don't believe the first thing you said there. They they genuinely believe that there was no flag at all, yeah. and there was no contact, and that should not have been even a consideration to be called. And I think that is uh, just a very biased, blindsided view of the whole play there. Um, yes, it, what you said. Was it the most egregious call? Not not even in the slightest. Uh, or penalty? Like, it was... It, there was contact there and some restriction. But I think if if it wasn't called, I don't think many people, even Chiefs fans, would say we really have too much to complain that like it was. I... The re- general reaction, and I guess I could, I should have expected this from the majority of the fan base. Uh, they're acting like it was the 2018 NFC Championship game, and it was it was that level of getting screwed. Uh, and that's just as again, like there are a lot of them are just like, oh, it's Philly versus the refs. They always conspire <laughs> against us. And again, it's just it literally was a flag. And I get it's a ta- it's a bad time to like for that call, but at the same time, I've, I have two two things to say to that, three things actually. Number one, I I mean you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I genuinely think that like other than that, which technically was the right call, the game was officiated pretty much as well as it could have been. There were two catches that were challenged: the one by Devonte Smith and one by Dallas Goddard. Um, and they were close, but I I genuinely believe both of them were the the right call. The Devontae yeah. Smith call, I mean, if you ask anyone like outside of the realm of the NFL and the way they interpret catches, you know, I'd say like he probably caught it. But in NFL standards, that is an incomplete pass. The ball hit the ground; it moved as a result of hitting the ground. Didn't really completely maintain possession throughout the entire course of him catching the ball. So I, they ultimately ruled that an incomplete pass. I think that was correct. Dallas Goddard, uh, again, bobbled it a little bit, but I think he regained possession and had two feet down, and they called it with, and they went. I think it was initially called a complete pass, and they stuck with it. Um, 
So I think those were correct calls, and I can't remember any other penalties that were called that were really that um, that really had anyone had anything to say about them. So I think it was a well-officialed game, and I know that people are going to be talking about that play um, and that play alone, but whatever. Second, people were also acting like if that wasn't the call, the Eagles would have won the game. The Chiefs, in all likelihood, would have kicked a field goal. The Eagles have again, a minute and 30 seconds to get a field goal to tie touchdown to win. I mean, you can't, I mean, I just don't think you can say it's a given that they tie that game or win that game. Yes, they have a chance, but some people are saying like it, it gypped them out of winning the game. And that's not the case. Sec, uh, thirdly, and lastly, which I'll, then I'll turn it over to Jack here. Uh, I heard a couple people saying that the Chiefs didn't deserve to win the game. And I don't know how you could say that. The Chiefs completely dominated the second half. They scored 20, what was it, 24 to 11, right? Anyone know that? I think it was yeah. what? It was 24 to 14 in halftime, yeah. I think. I think, so. yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, correct. Chiefs scored on all the possessions they had in the second half three touchdowns, one field goal. Oh, yes, they did. Uh, and it's not even like the Chiefs had a bad uh, offensive output in the first half they just didn't have opportunities in the first half uh, and that's credit to the eagles and what they did on offense but every time they had the ball on offense i, I mean they they did their thing uh so I, I just really don't think you could sit there and say the chiefs didn't deserve to win the game um i, I just again i think that's a very ignorant opinion to have so with all that being said Jack, what I mean, I kind of know what you're, how you're feeling about the the penalty at the end of the game there, but um, share with the listeners, uh, you know, what what your perspective is on that. Um, so to start with the officiating of the entire game, uh, I agree with what you said that it was, I think, pretty well officiated throughout the entirety. There were some calls and no calls that stick out to me. Was it just me, or I think this happened on both sides. There was one instance on both sides where this occurred, so I don't think this is a biased opinion, but it was a it may have been a a, a short yardage like a to gain for the first down, and one team just. I feel like one team all of a sudden just pointed at the other team, like as if they moved, and the rest just flew a flag because they, they, the other team pointed. And the same thing happened. The Eagles, I think the Chiefs did that to the Eagles first. I could be wrong. Or they just kind of like stood up and pointed, like saying he moved. And like, I'd have to rewatch it. I didn't think he moved. And then the same thing happened. The, the Eagles stood up and pointed at the, I think Frank, someone on the Chiefs defensive line lineup in the neutral zone. Which I feel like he did actually end up in neutral zone, so that was probably the right call. But like the rest wouldn't have noticed it if they didn't send him a point. Now that brings me to the play at the end of the game, the call. I've heard some people think that because Mahomes was pointing, it was somewhat of a late, lately, it was somewhat of a late thrown flag. Um, and people, some I've heard some people think because Mahomes was pointing and made it obvious that there could have been a missed call. That's why there was a flag thrown. I have a hard time thinking that the back judge threw that flag. I have a hard time b- 
believing that he was looking at Mahomes. I mean, the back judge is not looking at the quarterback. That's for two other officials. That's their area. Um, so I have a hard time thinking that the back judge is looking at Mahomes, and that's why he threw the flag. Uh, my point of will bring that up, I guess, is that maybe refs are influenced by players' reaction in the moment and kind of makes sense. They're human, and maybe, I mean, anyone could act that way. Um, maybe that's something that they could try to fix if we're trying to fix officiating, not be so reactionary to player reactions. Um, but to the play itself, uh, I've also heard that contacts allowed within two yards of the line of scrimmage, but that's true, but holding isn't. You can't still can't grab at a jersey. Uh, and it was holding. Big A. Mitchell said it that he heard Eagles fans saying there was no like contact. Like it wasn't should have been called a flag, but we made it clear both of your points that it was. It was on the it was on Bradbury's right arm where Juju was trying to release out of his whip route or whatever route it was. He's trying to break to the outside. And I sent the photo to you guys and just the angle from kind of like the line of scrimmage, like Juju's back shows his jersey is clearly, clearly being tugged. Because um, I guess some people, maybe Eagles fans were thinking why it wasn't a, a flag, shouldn't have been a flag, because they think Bradbury may have got him with his left arm once Juju had a step on him. So maybe there was a little contact there, but the flag was definitely on the jersey tug with Bradbury's right arm. And it was right. Um, yeah, it was a ticky tack call. Like it was not uh Mitchell said not too egregious. But I uh I don't agree with the take that um it's the yeah, yeah, it's a penalty, but you can't make that call at that point of the game, at that moment of the game. Uh call calls need to be independent need to be made independently of what the momentum of the game is. Like that's how if we say officiating is such a problem in the NFL, that's how we get more consistent officiating. Um, not by making calls or not making calls based off the vibes of the game, you know. Um, and of course, this take comes off as biased, like trying to defend the Chiefs, but I think that's pretty fair. If if everyone agrees that officiating is, is so poor, there needs to be objectivity of of what's happening in the game and just look at what's happening and call it as you see it. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it was the right pl- call and yeah, I don't know what else I could say with you guys other than what you guys already said. I think it was, it was well put. Okay. And like, I get again to, um, to, uh, sorry, last thing, just to, not make Eagles fans so mad at me. Like I, I get the frustration. That's a that's a really tough way to lose the biggest game of the year. So yeah, I mean I'm I'm sure you'd rather as someone who was rooting hard for the Chiefs, I would have rather it go down as the Chiefs beat the Eagles without a call like this happening. Right. So I guess that's my my piece on it. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure this is going to be talked about um, for a long time. Uh, and you're, I mean, I know it's going to be hard for Shreff to do, but pretend like the Eagles weren't in this game, and it did. It obviously went 
it didn't go your way. Do you think the call ruined how good of a game this was? No, it didn't ruin how good of a game it was. Um, I think, like, from even from an unbiased perspective, I, I do think, like, just for the fun of the game, it would have been, been nice to see Eagles offense get, like, a legit chance at it. Because I like I I mean this is going back to my own personal experience, but the the most upset that I got throughout the night was when Jarek McKinnon went down at the one. Because as soon as he did that, I I that I knew that the time was just not going to be in their favor with any any sort of chance with it. So like I I think that's kind of what sucks is that like it felt like towards the end that we were getting towards this point where it could be like team with the ball last gets the win and I think we were it, the way it was setting up it was looking like the Chiefs were probably just going to score but leave enough time to where the Eagles would have had a legit drive to be had so I think that's the only place where you could be like I, I do wish we would have gotten like that like possible firework ending type of thing but that doesn't take away from how good the entire game as a whole was like it was it was back and forth the entire time there was very high moments very low moments for both teams like it was I mean up until the last minute and a half, I don't think there was very much up in the air of who was going to win. So there's there, there's no complaints in terms of like the quality of the game being ruined by that call that, at all. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's fair. I, I, I calls like that are part of the game, um, but yeah, I don't think it it leaves that sour of a note on the game as in its entirety because it still happened. It was still you know, it was it was good football to watch. What uh, I want also want to bring up was my driving force and why I thought the Eagles were going to win for two reasons. Why I mean, one was the health or lack of health for Mahomes going into the game, and we saw that he re-aggravated his his ankle injury right before halftime. And how dominant the Eagles' defensive line has been all season with 70 sacks in the early season, as we said on our preview show, third most all time uh, in a single regular season. To come away with zero sacks when Mahomes is clearly he's fighting through some pain there. You can see when he was running and in that second half and he was getting tackled, he was gritting his teeth and there there was severe discomfort. It was very apparent. Um, to come away with zero sacks is is I mean that I think that's the most frustrating part of the whole entire game to be honest. I think if they generate any sort of pulse in terms of getting pressure on him, this game is theirs. I mean it was right there for the taking. I felt I that was my main like I said a minute ago. That was my main reasoning why I thought the Eagles were going to win. Um because they had been doing it all year and I didn't think Mahomes was going to be mobile enough, but the offensive line of the Chiefs played really really well. And um, that was the de- that was the deciding factor. That's why the Chiefs ended up winning. So, um, again, I'll let Shref go first and kind of share his thoughts on, you know, his level of frustration with the lack of pressure. And then Jack, if you want to chime in, you can as well. But Shref, go ahead. Yeah, this is um, this is a reflection. I mean, obviously the the individual performances have to get looked at, but. I think more than anything, it's a testament to kind of the the scheme that Jonathan Gannon has run throughout the year, and we've seen it work really well. And it, like I mean, like we know that it, it the, the the entire defensive scheme is based upon if the D line is getting through to the quarterback or not. 
and the on the few on the few occasions so far this year that we've seen the Eagles defense get get beat uh, pretty good it's been with quarterbacks who have been able to get rid of the ball quickly and have just been good at avoiding pressure I mean if we're if I'm looking back at some of the guys that kind of gave him some issues like obviously Dak it uh both times pretty much or sorry that this when when he played him on Thanksgiving he, he didn't play in the first game but uh was able to you know get up and down the field on him pretty consistently uh Aaron Rodgers before he went down pretty consistently even Jordan Love came in and was able to do the same thing like the the situations where they've gone up against these good quarterbacks we we've seen the ability to kind of take advantage of the way that the scheme set up because what ends up happening if, if the D-line's not getting through those corners are always playing a little bit more back. They're giving some cushion underneath. And when the when the D-line's getting through and the quarterback's forcing stuff, you can bite on those routes, obviously, and make plays. But when they're getting rid of the ball that fast, it's just it's never going to be easy to keep up with them on that one. And, yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a disappointing reflection of how, how that scheme can get beat, I guess. Um, I know this has been a, a popular point of contention, but I... It, it's not even, I mean, I, I think you guys know where I am going to go with this, but another another factor that, that seemed to be playing for both sides of the field, but uh, just a frustrating one, I think, from just a football fan's perspective, but whatever's going on with the turf that they have there, uh, like I said, like it's not, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm using the excuse because it was going both ways. And I think it was more just the fact that like this was, this was point going into this game the entire year where everyone was like, this field isn't good. And they're like, we're going to figure it out. And it was not figured out at all. I think Jalen, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jalen Hurts switched cleats every, every quarter. A bunch of players switched cleats. Yeah. Like I saw there was a picture think- of a pileup of cleats set, which I yeah. don't quite get. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm sure there's a reason why. Why aren't we just wearing those, the better cleats that they're changing into? For sure. I'm not sure. It's a good question. <laughs> I guess there's. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Maybe like the first cleats. The first cleats down, give you more. First cleats. First cleats give you more speed, but are more prone <laughs> to slipping. And mm. then the second cleats Must are slower, it. but you get you're more stable. That I don't know. But also, that was, I, that was one of the most speculative things we've ever said in the podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I do also want to say, with when it comes to the Eagles' D line, I, I do want to give the Chiefs' offensive line a lot of credit as well. They were, it was that 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 was one part of the game that I didn't think was going to happen was just like the sheer like it was it was domination really, like pretty much the entire night. Like I was even looking like they didn't the Chiefs didn't run the ball like I mean they they just didn't have the ball that like that often in the grand scheme of things I guess. But if I'm looking at their carries like. Pacheco averaged five five a carry. Mahomes seven a carry on his. McKinnon eight a carry on four on four carries. Like they, while they weren't running a lot, like it was efficient every time, and that's another testament to how the offensive line was playing throughout the entire game. So it was, I mean, they they dominated up front on that side of the ball. Yeah, Jack, do you have anything to add on the lack of pressure? Just even more shocked because of. Uh... I mean, Mahomes was theoretically less mobile, re-aggravating his ankle injury, but he, man, he fought through it, clearly in pain. And how many rushing yards does he end with? Anyone know? Uh, I have it here. He finished with 44 on the game. That's crazy. 
And I also to interject yeah. there. I mean, he probably lost about eight to 10 yards when he kneeled down at the end of the game. Cause he was like three plays. He backed up like three or four yards. So I think he had yeah. over 50 at one point. Yeah, that's wild. And I don't know where you guys were looking for this conversation to go next, but Mahomes legacy conversation. Um, uh, well, I, I, can we, can we save that for a little bit, maybe towards the end? Um, sure, we'll just kind of get into that. Yeah. Um, I have I have three things I want to bring up before then. Um, okay. Number one, just it's it's a fun it's a funny tweet I just I, I found, but it's it's uh I just just shout out to Isaiah Pacheco because he just he played he played really well, and I, I I'm glad that he got to show on the biggest stage like how good of a player he is. Uh, and the 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 tweet that I that I liked uh, was really funny. It said. Pacheco l- runs like his someone is holding his entire family for ransom, and the only way to free them is to get five yards per carry. I just thought that was hilarious. He runs so hard. And can I? Uh, I have still another tweet that's related to that. If I could share, um, this was tweeted by Marcus Mosher, Marcus underscore mm-hmm. Mosher, Mosher. I don't know who he is. He's a Cowboys um, guy. Okay. Or like a beat writer. I think like a beat writer of some sort. Okay. Um, the leading rusher from the last 14 Super Bowls. All this, yeah. I'll just read off their base salaries. Starting yesterday with Pacheco. The leading rusher from the Super Bowl winner. Um, I'll just give the player on the salary. Pacheco, 870K. Cam Akers, 890K. Leonard Fournette, 2 million. Damian Williams, 1 million. Sony Michelle, 480,000, LeGarrette Blunt 900,000, LeGarrette Blunt 760,000, CJ Anderson 585, LeGarrette Blunt 730, Percy Harvin 2.5 million, leading rusher, he rushed more than Martin Lynch that game. Uh, Ray Rice 2 million, Ahmad Bradshaw 1.5 million, James Starks, yikes, 320,000, and Pierre Thomas 460,000. That dates all the way back to 2009. Oh, so I guess 2008. Rashard Mendenhall was getting paid a lot at the time. Unless he didn't, I don't know, whatever. Uh, point is, you don't need to pay a running back to win a Super Bowl. The highest Just, one the past uh, 14 years was Leonard Fournette, 2 million, or Percy Harvin at 2.5 million. I just, th- I mean, it's kind of interesting that, <laughs> that you brought up that Isaiah Pacheco, who was a seventh round pick, makes 800 something thousand and Sony Michelle who was a first round pick made 400,000 that doesn't make any sense yeah and that was only four years five years ago four or five years ago yeah so I don't know about that but I guess the overall the overall narrative is um you know remains the same that it's uh there's more and more data that supports uh hang running backs I guess which is unfortunate but it is what it is. The numbers don't lie. Second thing I want to bring up is there is a lot of talk, at least from what I saw on Twitter and around the social media circuits, of uh, potentially banning the push for the quarterback sneak. Did you guys hear about that? Yeah. I mean, more teams should do it. Like, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I, I feel agree. about it. I think it's just, I mean, it's. Actually, I do know how I feel about it. I mean, I don't think I'd be in favor of banning it. Uh, 
it's just part of the game, I feel like, and it's it's I guess it's just the the well, strategy of it. I don't my know. My whole thought of it is like it's no I mean, if we're really thinking about it, like you can do this it, it's happened before if guys are like fighting for a first down on like a catch, like an eight yard catch and they're fighting for the first. Like you've seen guys come in before and help move the pile along. Like it just it just looks a little more unfair, I guess, because you're doing it from like a set position like that. But like like it's with how successful it is, like I every team should have that package like ready to go, I think. Like I don't because I don't know how you stop it. Like guys have tried to go under, they've tried to go over, they've tried to come in through the side. And credit to Steichen too, because he he's, he was good with getting a little creative once in a while with how they were running it, just to give him different looks too. But like, if, like instead of going right to the let's ban this, like let's go to the these head coaches should be smarter and see that this works. Like pretty much every time you run it. <laughs> like, do you think that maybe it's? I'm sure Jalen Hurts uh, himself plays a factor into how good it is. Like he's so built from the waist down that that like helps get extra push. I mean, of course, I guess the main reason is because you got two bodies behind you or however many bodies behind you giving you the extra push. But uh, yeah, I agree with Shreff. Like, and, like arguably the best center of all time in front of him. So yeah, one I, get a better center. Two get a stronger quarterback who has who can. Squat six hundred. Part of it too. Three, just do it. Like you, you don't even need the first two. Just do it. It <laughs> is. It is so funny to watch because like you. the physics of it. Like he basically, they all kind of, they all just kind of like collapse, and then he almost like rides them like a wave, kind of just uh-huh. like over the top. It's a, it's so here's, fun. Here's a genuine question: Do you think we could have gotten one first down with it? Yes. Like, like you have Dallas Goddard and AJ yeah. Brown pushing you from the back. You have Jason Kelsey in front of you, and everyone else on the offensive line. Yeah, I'd have to imagine if I down. like. Is it one like definitely if it's like less than a yard? You want know, full if it's yard? Less than a yard, I feel like. Less I than could. a yard, yeah. What I'm thinking I'd do is I'd pretty much just like I'd get myself into like a ball, I think, and just kind of let them like I'll just kind of ride the wave. And, yeah, but like I, yeah, because that because that's how all of them go. Like the when the when the play first starts it's kind of just like a big collection of bodies. And then you just see Hertz just kind of like coast over the top of it every time. Interesting. I, I was saying, I was saying if uh, during the game, I'm like the chiefs need Troy Palomalo to jump over the top and get him and stop him. Right. Like he did in that game. But then I said, I think uh, Jalen Hurts's lower body leg strength is uh, a little bit more than Joe Flacco's. So I think, um, right. Can but we, yeah, um, also like, that's a good point. Like that's a problem. All this thing, like he would jump over the time it perfectly jump over the line, which that's mm. incredible to do. But back then, like all I'm thinking of all the plays, I've seen him do that. Those quarterbacks don't have a extra two bodies pushing them from behind. Like it's a new thing that I, mean, I guess Sirianni or whoever on the Eagles designed. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It shouldn't be banned. More teams should just do it. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than when your team is fourth and one and the quarterback's in shotgun. So yeah, that, yeah. So that's why it is it is a benefit. Um, can we dovetail this into a Jalen Hurts conversation? Because before yeah. we get to, before we get to Mahomes, I do want to sure. I want to I want to give I want to give my quarterback his his uh, his justice. Um, I'll start off. I'll I, I will I will start off by saying as as I did with the penalty, saying it's a flag. I'll start off by saying the. Uh, 
the fumble was tough. The fumble, the the. I mean, there's no other way to cut it. Like, it's an unacceptable turnover at an unacceptable time. There's never a good time to do that, but let alone on the biggest in the biggest game. Uh, gifted them free points. Um, but I mean, I I mean, I'm. I don't know what else could be said negatively about how he played besides that that one individual play. And actually, uh, just to bring up that play as well, just in terms of like what type of night it, it turned out to be with that, the the play before that was third and one, and Isaac Sayamalu got a false start, which led to the third and six, which became that that fumble. So that's another one that just like third and one. I I don't look. I don't quite remember, but I'm assuming they might have been in the sneak formation. I I don't know. If, Jack, that might have been one of the ones you were talking about where the Chiefs players just kind of like pointed. Yeah, I think that was it. I feel like it might have been. I, I was trying to think when you were saying it, but I, I I couldn't quite remember. But either or, it's one of those plays where it's just like, that stinks because third and one, you, you know exactly what they're doing. And then it's third and six and you get that play call, which leads to that, which stinks. But um, as good as he obviously still was as a runner last night, like he's still, I mean, just as efficient as, as usual with that, he was throwing – he was throwing the heck out of the ball last night. I'll just say that. Um, like, made, made a few throws that even surprised me. Uh, the throw to Devontae, he, he had one to Devontae down the sideline, and then the other one to him that ended up not being a catch, I thought were both good throws. Um, the throw to Goddard that got reviewed and really called good. a catch, maybe that might be the best throw I've seen him make. Like, just like situationally, like that was like over one guy, but beneath another guy. Like just, I mean, an absurd throw. And then looking back, if we if we want to like if we want to highlight, I know obviously in the grand scheme of things with football games, it's never one play. But if Quez Watkins comes down with that ball, that's first and goal from like the five or something like that, and they were at that point up. Uh, forget how many they were up by that point, but they were they were winning the game. That was a, a, I mean, a perfectly thrown like thirty-five yard ball with a guy in his face. Quez just couldn't come down with the catch, uh, so that that was a real shame. But I mean, I was I going into the game. Uh, I in my heart of hearts, I thought if the Eagles were going to lose this game, it was going to be because Hertz wasn't able to keep up with Mahomes. And not only did Hertz keep up with Mahomes, but if we're doing box score scouting, which I know that's not all of it, but like Hertz was. Very impressive based on stats. The better quarterback, obviously, when you watch the game, you probably don't say that. But, like, he did everything that was asked of him outside of one play that ended up really hurting him. But, I mean, for all the questions that there were going into that game, I I mean, as an Eagles fan, I I couldn't have asked for much more. And it, 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 gives, me, it gives me a lot of confidence for the years to come because, I mean, and I'm sure we can talk about this a little bit, but... Uh, it seems like a, a a new deal is going to be happening pretty quickly here, so we'll be yeah we'll be sticking around. So Hertz is going to get fifty million a year, which he deserves every penny. I think. Um, do you think windows closed? Windows closing, like it makes it a little tougher. Like with yeah, so this is I think this has kind of been this this has kind of been what's really had me down all day is trying to think about like what what the next steps are so um i it's it's hard not to say that this was their best chance like they 
brought in a lot of free agents guys that all pretty much every free agent that they got hit this year in terms of performance both trades that they made for aj brown and for chauncey garner johnson couldn't have worked out any better this season um they got a very fortunate schedule that they took advantage of got a fortunate playoff schedule that they took advantage of and had the chiefs down 10 and so it's like looking at it like the team's obviously going to look a lot different already lost one coordinator looks likely to lose both um so yeah i mean it, it it's hard to it's hard to say that this wasn't their best chance i will i the thing that i will say is that after seeing what i've seen this season and especially in this last game i with hurts as the quarterback i'm never going to say that they don't have a chance um but it obviously football is not based off of one individual guy so I think if we're talking team as a whole, I think this was definitely their best shot. So it's, I think that's kind of where it where it hurts the most on this one for me. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty fair breakdown. Uh, I've been very impressed with the way, and I guess I shouldn't really be surprised going back to his time in college, but the poise and the leadership and the maturity that he displays throughout. Uh, you know, while he's playing and when he's being interviewed post game, whether it's a win or loss, I really uh, am appreciative and and admire the way he carries himself. So I do think that what Shreff said, when you have that type of leadership and being the captain of the team and the face of the franchise, I think that's a really good look. I think, I mean, clearly his teammates love playing for him. Yeah. Uh, it- so that's what's I, I think, impressed me the most. Right. And I, I think, you know, him and AJ Brown are obviously very close. I think that, you know, obviously AJ Brown has a has a pretty sizable contract and eventually in, in a year and a half, two years, Devontae Smith is gonna have a pretty decent sized contract and there's gonna be a lot of other people on this team that need to be paid. And again, they're not gonna be able to retain everyone, of course. That would that would be that's just impossible to do. But I think we will see players, and maybe even Hurts himself. Will they'll they'll do whatever they can, you know, contract wise to structure it in a in a way that can keep the talent around them. And I think that's a really good uh, environment to have when everyone sees the sees the uh, potential of the team and the culture, and um, starting with the the most important player, the most important position in Jalen Hurts, I think that's uh that bodes well for their chances. Um but yeah, I mean I again I, I think when you have have that and you have a stable organization, I mean that's the reason why again you can't compare everything to the Patriots and Tom Brady because that's you know a something we may never ever see again. But teams like that and good culture and good organizations which I, I, I do think that as much as we despise the Eagles, Jack and I, uh, I think we can recognize that they're a good organization and that we have faith that they'll probably do the right thing business-wise and football-wise. Um, and I mean, I, I have faith in the Steelers to do that. And I guess all three of us, are, are we're just lucky that I think that we have franchises that more often than not do the right thing and can keep a good culture and that's how you have sustained success. Um, so I, I, as much as I don't like to say it, I do think the Eagles will be, I'm not going to guarantee they're going to win or get back to the spot, but 
it certainly wouldn't shock me at all if, if they're right in the mix of things, which I think they will be. Um, I think the only other thing I wanted to say before we can, I guess, get into Mahomes and his legacy and whatnot, and we can, you know, parlay that into an Andy Reid conversation if we want to as well. You're ahead. Uh, and Treff kind of did hint at it a little bit, but how are you feeling about losing Steichen? And I also saw a funny like tweet. I don't remember who said it, uh, so I do apologize, but someone said that after that performance, someone's going to, the Cardinals are going to interview Jonathan Garen, excuse me, uh, interview Jonathan Gannon just to rip up a contract right in front of him after that mm-hmm. embarrassing performance. But, uh, but yeah, all jokes aside, how, how I'm sure that's not a good feeling, but where's your mind at potential losing, uh, both coordinators who had a really strong season? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, Steichen obviously, uh, stinks like that, that one, that one hurts to lose. Um, the the silver lining is is it sounds like Brian Johnson's gonna just get bumped up to OC from QB coach and Jalen Hurts has like only said nothing but like the best about him so that makes me feel a little more comfortable so like the scheme isn't gonna change or anything um, obviously losing him like he his his in game play calling was I mean pretty much spotless most of the year I mean and we saw it every like week in and week out so he's gonna be a big loss I think that's a incredible high by the Colts. Gannon's a little bit interesting. I think there was a lot of times this year where it was undeniable that he has a good scheme and it it can work under the right situations. But I mean, this, I mean, you watch that performance against the chiefs and it's like, well, that's not like if you're a Cardinals fan, you're like, well, that's not the best, like not the best, like a introduction to him, I guess on that one. But it, it, his, it's interesting. I I liked him. It seemed like he had the right sort of demeanor for for Philly being a coach in Philly. Um, that video where he said certain things uh, surfaced uh, before that Niners game. That, that was a great video. Um, but yeah, it's weird. His, his schemes very much all or nothing. If the D line's getting through, it looks like the best defense in the league. And when it's not, exactly what happened last night happened. So it's a it's an interesting one. So I I think. To summarize it, I'm definitely a lot more upset about losing Steichen than I am losing Gannon. But, I mean, when you have a Super Bowl team, it's never good to lose both of your coordinators in the span of, like, 24 hours after losing the Super Bowl. So, it's a, you know, it's a it's a bit of kicking me while while I'm down type of deal. But I, 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 I do feel confident in Brian Johnson. I, I'll be interested to see for the defensive coordinator, though, because I haven't really heard any in-house names that have bubbled up so they they could be going like the it could be a different type of scheme coming in which considering how many new players they might have on that defense going into next year it'll be it might be a good thing depending how it goes so it'll be interesting i don't know i uh i should know this but is this a is that a is that official that they're both gone or is it like almost, uh so yeah. is more official than Gannon's there to finalize the deal apparently and then it basically seems based on everything that's coming out and like Gannon's that interview it seems like the Cardinals were waiting this whole time to interview Gannon with the thought that he's going to get hired so I don't I don't know if that Chiefs game changes anything with that but it at this point it seems like it would be really surprising if it's not Gannon going there okay yeah the only other thing I can really think For the Giants. Oh, oh, you're back now. We can't really hear you. Oh, you broke up a little bit. 
A little bit. Okay. Did you hear I said Mike Kafka? That's who I mentioned. Who may, uh, oh, why, Mike Kafka. I think you may be pinching a cord or something on that mic. Is that any better? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what happened there. Anyway, I said the only other names I've really heard rumored for the Cardinals uh, position at this point in time are Mike Kafka, offensive coordinator for the Giants, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Lou something. He's the oh, Bengals uh, defensive coordinator. So Armor Armoreno or something. Armor, yeah. Something so like that. that's all I've heard. But yeah, it it certainly could be Gannon. Um all right. Anything else? We got, I guess we can get into Mahomes here. I mean I mean what a warrior. He really I mean I it really looked like he was in a lot of pain and I was really Really hoping, no offense to Chad Henney, and congratulations on a lengthy career and, and your retirement and everything, but I did not want to see you in that game. So I don't think anyone did, to be honest. Um, no, even even I didn't. Yeah, because that's just, that's, I mean, it probably would have guaranteed you a Super Bowl, but it kind of like, you know. That's one of those ones, up. though, where like, if that does happen, then that's just like a whole off season of like not being able to enjoy it because I would just hear about that. So it's like, I. Yeah, if if right. we were gonna beat them, I wanted it to be with with Mahomes. So, yeah, especially considering the path, like Daniel Jones, yeah. Josh Johnson, and Chad Henney, like that would be yeah. one of the easiest. I'm not gonna say one of definitely the easiest oh, ride the easiest, yeah. Super Bowl ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mahomes finishes as the MVP of the game. I do think if you guys have remember the the Miles Sanders when they called it an incomplete pass, but initially they ruled it a fumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Bolton, like that, that was Nick Bolton who also ran it back. I mean, he has a legitimate chance at MVP. I feel like if they call that, I don't know. Yeah. He was unreal. Yeah. yeah Hertz, he, or sorry. Mahomes stat line. Didn't he only have like 180 yards passing? Yes, Jack. He only had 180 yards. I know very well that he only had 180 yards, <laughs> which also I sort of go back to Hertz, but he had over 300 and not even just his numbers like to speak to how good of a game he had he had a really costly turnover that you mentioned and like that's not even close to what i think of about, about hurts in that game yeah. like he played so well that that's well, that doesn't even like i said in, in the grand scheme of things they got that they got that touchdown but the eagles still were able to get back down the field and get get the field goal at the end yeah so like it like yeah the the seven points stinks but like in terms of what they could have done to mitigate that they did just that so like looking back like that that certainly isn't the play that I look at as like oh man that really costed it like yeah it really hurt but they bounced back better than they could have asked for. Patrick Mahomes yeah yeah his stat line uh, twenty one of twenty seven one hundred eighty two passing yards three passing touchdowns no interceptions or fumbles. Uh, and six carries for 44 yards. Uh, again, I mean, I think it goes back to that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I really do think the first half of the time possession was about eight minutes for the Chiefs and 22 for the Eagles or something like that. It was completely lopsided. Uh, it did balance out slightly more in the second half. I think the final numbers were 35-30 to the Eagles and 24-30 to the Chiefs, which is still a large edge for Philadelphia. but. You know, Mahomes, yeah, didn't have the yards, but played a pretty much perfect game when when he had the opportunity to do so. Uh, and I, I said this as well, but Travis Kelsey, 
had what do you have? Like six catches for eighty something yards and a touchdown. And yep. I felt like he didn't even do that much. And that's just Travis Kelsey because he just puts up numbers in his sleep. So uh it it really is just mind boggling how 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 he can be so open all the time. Um he's thirty three now. Um we'll see how many years he has left, but there's no signs of slowing down at this point, at least. No. So uh yeah, anything else about Mahomes? I mean, and there's been a lot of talk there were a lot of talk on the post game coverage about is he a Hall of Famer if he retired today and how close we is had he that to conversation. We had that conversation after when his first Super Bowl. Remember that? Yeah. And I said he was then. I saw Peyton Manning said before the zoo I saw on Saturday Peyton Manning said he is a Hall of Famer already, and he is, of course, now. Yeah, I mean, especially because he solidified his second MVP season with uh, winning that on Thursday night and, uh, you know, coming through and having another Super Bowl MVP now. So uh, crazy to think about. He's only 27. He could be doing this for another 10 years. So Yeah, and I was like, I think this season specifically was was interesting for him, too, because like, I think especially in the AFC, like even like before the season started, we all did like everyone did. It was like the talk of. You know, the AFC West, like the Broncos looked like they were going to be good. The Raiders looked like they were going to be good. And it's not that people forgot about the Chiefs, but the Chiefs weren't at like, it wasn't like this foregone conclusion, like Kansas, it's going to be Kansas City. And like just the entire year, Mahomes just kept showing like, no, I'm I'm still here. Come the playoffs, Bengals are talking like they already won the game. Patrick Mahomes, nope, still here. And then they're underdogs in the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes still, still here. So, it, I mean, he's just, he is... He's otherworldly. He's unreal, and it's like it's watching from that perspective was was tough. was was very tough because it's like you want to you want to enjoy it, and like as an Eagles fan, it was nice because we because I was able to do that with Brady, where I was still able to appreciate everything that he did while still getting that win against him. Now with Mahomes, it's tough because it's like now I just have such a sour taste in my mouth. But like I'm never gonna hate Patrick Mahomes, but it just it stinks that that now I have to whenever I think about him I'll be thinking about this game. My comparison, and I don't need a response for this because I feel like it's just way too open ended of a debate. But Mahomes equals LeBron, Brady equals Jordan, and the former are the best players of all time, in my opinion. At their respect Mahomes the best player of all time already in your opinion? You would agree he's the most talented quarterback you've ever seen? No? Yeah, but does that make him the greatest quarterback ever already? I mean, now we're getting into what what these adjectives mean. Talented, greatest, best. Great. I think greatest is a combination of talent and accomplishments, but I think leans a little bit more towards accomplishments, in my opinion. So, but again, this is, I still think it's way too early. Mahomes is not even halfway done his career. So let's just table it and let it see how it plays out, I guess. That's how I, that's my mindset anyway. Okay. He's Andy Reid, uh, before, I guess, before we get to our closing remarks, Andy Reid uh, did reiterate multiple times throughout the post-game co- uh, coverage that he is not retiring. So we will see more of, of, the, uh, of Big Red. Um, at least for the time being. So that's uh, that's fun. He's, um, you know, heck of a coach. I mean, he, he's a two-time 
head coach winning, a super winning head coach, but he did one as an assistant as well. Uh, so he has three rings now. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I don't know why, why, why you would walk away from that. I mean, they could definitely still win multiple Super Bowls. So, uh, I mean, where does he rank of all time coaches at this point in your, in your eyes? Three. I mean, if you want to talk accomplishments, it, <coughs> Belichick won six as a head coach. Chuck Noll won four as a head coach. Who else is? Is there any three time? Well, I guess who was it? Um, Jimmy Bill Johnson Walsh. won three. Bill Walsh, 49ers. Okay. So I don't know. Top five, maybe. Yeah, I would, I mean, it's that, but even like considering like, especially with just with this team, like the era that they're doing it in, like with how all these good teams and like the, just like how quickly these teams are getting like good and bad again, like just the consistency has been right unreal out of him throughout, like pretty much throughout his entire career. But it, yeah, out of all guys to lose to, that's definitely the one that I would, that I would choose because he still obviously will always have a special place in my heart. But I mean, you'd have to imagine with him now, I'd, I'd, I don't know exactly. I don't know how old Andy Reid is, but like, do we think that he just like? Do you think? Do we think he goes on like a Belichick Brady type of run where he just he stays around until Mahomes is done? Should I, mean, I think he's sixty two? He could he keep going. He can do. And he's, I mean, and it, it, it's all it's become clear, especially this year. He's he's still very much sharp enough, maybe the sharpest in the league at being able to adapt as the offenses continue to change. Like, I mean, they lost Tyree kill and their offense was just as good, if not better at certain times, like the, 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 the ability that he has to continue to adapt and just like keep them at such a high level. Like, I don't see why he would stop anytime soon. So those play designs that he had, the motion stuff. Did you, did you guys see, you guys would appreciate this. Uh, the, he, he took a, he took a page out of Peterson's book. Um, a big way that Doug Peterson was beating the Eagles was with the the motion uh, at the snap, and specifically those two touchdowns that they had that what didn't look like that one to Sky Moore, where you yeah. have that motion across the line, and then you cut it back outside, like the same exact play design that the Jags ran like two different times in the Eagles game. Right, and the uh, that one to Sky Moore, and also the one it just flipped to Gadarius Tony, like there was this. I watched both plays back multiple times and it's almost identical. And he ran just flipped yeah. and it literally, I know the Tony one particularly like he could have had a touchdown to Kelsey or Tony chose Tony cause it's a lot more open and like half the field just wide open. It's just, it's crazy how, how much misdirection was going on there with the Eagles defense just being confused. And do you guys hear what he, that play is called? No, what was it? called corn dog that's what andy reed andy reed said it's called corn dog <laughs> yeah. yeah obviously he's a offensive mastermind i am a little upset at him though that for as creative as him and sirianni and steichen and bianami are uh they didn't only two my, guys through passes <laughs> only two guys through passes so what's up with yeah. that guys but yeah. uh yeah so i just lost 15 bucks on that one also i did want to say that jalen hurts did octopus i don't know if you guys were paying attention yeah so, that was pretty cool did not bet on that one though uh but anyway back to andy reed i'm just looking up his all-time numbers here it's just absolutely so impressive he said only two losing seasons since 2000 
Um, his record at Kansas City every year: eleven and five, nine and seven, eleven and five, twelve and four, ten and six, twelve and four, twelve and four, fourteen and two, twelve and five, fourteen and three. So that's pretty Not bad, unbelievable. <laughs> he is uh, sixty-four years old. He is fifth all time uh, amongst head coaches for career wins. Uh, he's only three behind Tom Landry, so he'll surpass him next season. And uh, from there, Belichick has two ninety eight, so he's he'd be like about three or four seasons away from Belichick. So, but Belichick's obviously still compiling. You know, he's still active, so um, there's that. Anyway, I mean, he's clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer, um, and just so impressive. So he's sixty four, and again, I don't know. Mahomes will probably play for another 10 to 12 years. So I don't know if he's going to last 10 to 12 years, but I could see him. I don't know. It's a hard job to walk away from when you do it, when you've been doing it your whole life and you have that good of a quarterback and that good of a organization and system in place. I mean, I don't know. So we will see, but uh, chiefs are the 2022 champions. And uh, as I said, in the beginning of the show, uh, we have a long way to go till September, so it's draft kind season. Of sad, uh, but yes, Shref, you better get started on your tackle research. Um, take the week off, you know, you know, decompress and whatnot. Do whatever you have to do, but once you start back up, just uh, fire up that fire up the old database and just put in work about these tackles. So, oh, I'm going to, yeah. Uh, any other closing remarks before we sign off today's episode? Uh, I guess, I mean, football really doesn't have a down period, so Treff isn't going anywhere. Uh, like you said, it's draft season. We're going to get into the combine in a couple of weeks, then the draft and the schedule release and OTAs, trades, free agency. I went out of order there, but you get the point. There's a lot going on all the time for the NFL. And, um, yeah. So, yeah. Like I said, anything else you guys want to say before we sign off here today? I don't. It's been a great year. But yeah, football's year. It's twelve month sports, so there's plenty to. I mean, combine in two weeks. So, spring training for baseball. Sure, it's baseball season. Yeah, I reposted the Pirates posted right away after Super Bowl ended. Baseball season, so. Yeah, I get, get to watch the other runner-up team play. Yeah, Sixers are going to lose the finals and Flyers lose the Stanley Cup. I don't care about the I mean, United. the Union lost the MLS championship, too. So yeah. the Phillies, Eagles, and Union didn't all the, lost. Didn't the, Philly, didn't the Philly USFL team lose as well? I don't know. I don't know about that, but it was literally, I think they said it was in a 99-day span. Yeah, the Union, Phillies, and Eagles all lost the finals. Sorry, all right. Well, let's stop. Let's stop. Enough. Enough. Treff doesn't need to hear that. So, um, but yeah, successful season. Excited, so excited to see year two of Kenny Pickett, um, and see what I'm hoping we can make a similar jump that the Eagles did this year. Um, that would be amazing. So, bye football, um, but not for long. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening, folks. This has been this 225th episode of the Hogline Podcast. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to be starting our trivia league uh, very shortly. Jack and I have been grinding away on these questions. 
and Shreff is a participant. He'll be in the in this trivia league, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so stay tuned for that, and uh, we will catch you next time, folks. See ya. Peace.